Amen. Amen. Well, good morning again, everyone. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm very grateful that you all are joining us. Today, we're continuing uh, this Lent season, and we're walking through some readings from the lectionary through the season of Lent. And as you know, if you were here last week, Lent means spring, which is why we do it at this time. Six weeks of preparation for Easter. Six weeks to prepare our hearts and our lives for Easter, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have these six weeks during this early springtime to look forward and to anticipate all the new things that God is doing. And I told you a few weeks ago that uh, the, one of the big themes this year through the lectionary is new creation, is new life. And uh, we're going to see it again and again and again. It's going to pop up over and over and over and over and over again. And it actually reminds me of a joke that maybe you've heard. But there was a pastor who got called to a new congregation, and they show up there, and they, their first week there, they get up on the chancel, and they preach a sermon. And you know, they're a pretty good preacher. So people are like, yeah, this is really great. We're really excited this pastor's here. And as, they're, as the congregation is leaving, they're shaking the pastor's hands, and they're saying, uh, thank you so much, pastor. We're glad that you're here. That was a great sermon. Really appreciate it. We're really looking forward to the ministry that we'll do here. The pastor is, of course, very cordial. Thank you, thank you, all right, thank you. The next week rolls around. The pastor gets up on the chancel and preaches the exact same sermon word for word. Now, most of the people in the congregation, they don't catch it because, to be completely honest, you, know, you don't really remember everything that's said. So you can maybe hear the same thing twice and maybe you won't realize, realize it. But a couple people, they kind of realized that. They thought that was weird, but people were still kind of, they were still trying to be polite. So they went through and they shook his hand. Thank you, Pastor. It was a great sermon. Appreciate it. Look forward to our ministry here. He's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Third week comes around. Pastor gets up onto the chancel, preaches the exact same sermon, word for word. And now people are talking, right? But they're not talking to the pastor quite yet. They're just talking to each other. They're talking to the council and the council president. They're like, what's going on with this guy? Fourth week comes around. Pastor gets up there, says the exact same sermon, word for word. And now people are upset, so finally, the congregation president goes to him and says, Pastor, we've noticed that you've preached the exact same sermon, word for word, four weeks in a row. What's the deal? Some people are, are asking if you're lazy or if you just, what's, what's happening? And the pastor said, well, I got up there that first week and preached a sermon and nobody did anything about it. And so I went up there the second week, preached a sermon and nobody did anything about it. And he goes, once you start doing what I say, then I'll change my sermon. So maybe that's what we're getting a little bit uh, this, this season of Lent, is we're going to hear about new creation again and again and again and again. Maybe this is the way that the people who put together the lectionary are saying, get it into your heads, that new creation is really, really, really important. We see it all throughout Scripture. The Scripture has a lot to say about new creation. Scripture doesn't really have a lot to say about what we generally think of as heaven, in kind of our cultural sense of heaven, that somehow when we die, our spirit goes and lives with God. There's a little bit about that in Scripture, but just a couple of verses, really very little. A lot of Scripture talks about new creation, which is this work that God is going to do after heaven. After we die and our spirit is with God, something is going to happen where Jesus returns to earth and Jesus remakes the world. He makes it again, new. And it's actual physical, it's a physical place. It's where heaven and earth overlap. And then he's gonna raise people back to life, that their physical bodies are gonna come up out of the ground 
and he is going to put their spirits back in their bodies, and their bodies are going to be changed and transformed into some glorious way that they can actually live forever now without sickness, without pain, without suffering. And physical bodies are going to live on a physical world where heaven and earth overlap with Jesus and his Father in the power of the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. That's the picture of eternal life that the scripture gives us. That's new creation. And we see it again and again and again and again in scripture. All the way from Genesis 3, the very beginning of the Bible, when things go wrong and sin enters the world, all the way to the last chapters of Revelation talking about this new creation that God is doing. But new creation isn't only a future thing. It's actually something we get to experience right now. And Paul, in his letters, has a lot to say about new creation now. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Our scripture is 2 Corinthians 5, and we jump in here in verse 17. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. So somehow this new creation, this work that God is doing, is given to us right now for anyone, anyone who is in Christ. So if you have heard the gospel proclaimed, if the gospel has entered into your ears and God has awakened your spirit and given you faith, that you trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that your, your sins are forgiven, that you are reconciled with God, you are a new creation. If you've received the gospel, ideally as a baby, and your parents baptize you, and they proclaim the gospel to you, they tell you that God loves you and he forgives your sins, hopefully from very early on you begin to hear the gospel. Some of you maybe came to faith as adults, where you had a friend or family member come to you and proclaim the gospel to you, and you have faith in it. If you have faith, you are in Christ. Paul has a lot to say about baptism and being buried with Jesus and resurrected with Jesus that we actually live the life of Jesus after baptism, that when we put our faith in him, we live the life of Jesus, that we are in Christ. And if you are in Christ, if you trust the gospel, there is presently a new creation. Now your body, your physical tent, this thing that you live in now, it's still gonna get old, it's still gonna die. The physical world isn't yet made new, but interior, your spirit, that's made new. That's a new kind of creation. If anybody is in Christ, there is a new creation. All the benefits that you get later, you have now in your spirit from the interior. You're a new creation. And it's important to note here that this phrase really has nothing to do with what you do. This phrase has everything to do with what God is doing to you in Christ. So it's really important here early on, because it's gonna come back again later in the scripture, that we recognize that this new creation work is a gift from God that we do not really have much of a say in. It is God who gives us new creation. We cannot by our will, by our power, recreate ourselves, give ourselves this new creation, give ourselves this transformation. So it's a little bit like this, think about it this way. When you were born, if you can think all the way back to when you were born, when you were born, did you have anything to do with being born? Did you, by your own power, born, were born? 
No, of course not. You have no say in your conception, in your gestation, or in your birth. You have no say in being born. You just are. It's not like you swam to the exit and got out of there. The mother's body is amazing, and it contracts and it prepares the baby. And when it comes time for the birth, the woman's body begins to work its muscles in a subconscious way. The woman's not even consciously doing that, but just the, the, her brain, the hormones are telling her body to get ready and it readjusts that baby so the head is down and then it con- contracts and contracts and contracts and it shoots that baby out of there. And you had nothing to do with your birth. You did not tell your mother's water to break. You did not tell your mother that it's time to be born. You were totally and completely helpless in your birth. Just as you had no say in being born, you also really don't have much say in being born again. Because nobody comes up with Jesus on their own. Nobody just comes up with Jesus. God had to bring somebody to you to proclaim the gospel to you. God had to appoint somebody and send somebody to preach the gospel. Again, ideally, it was your parents. As they, in faith, in obedience to God, brought you to baptism, and the pastor baptized you when you were a helpless little baby, you had no say in it, and your parents, they proclaimed the gospel to you. God loves you, and he's forgiven your sins. You're part of his family. You are in Christ. And as you grow up, and as you begin to understand and be able to put your faith in these promises, hopefully your parents and your Sunday school teachers and your pastors continue to proclaim the gospel to you and tell you, you don't have a say in it. You don't have a say in being born. You don't have a say in being born again. God delivers it to you, gives it to you. This new creation kind of life is entirely a gift. It is something God gives simply because he's good. Simply because he is obsessed with finding and creating new creation. His whole work, the whole story of the Bible is all about God patiently working out new creation. First with this promise to Abraham and the family of Israel to bring about the Messiah and then to the church to be filled by the Holy Spirit this community of Jesus people who are filled by the Holy Spirit, who are made new and transformed in Christ, to be these little colonies of heaven here on earth, where people are reconciled to each other and reconciled to God. God has faithfully and patiently, meticulously and gently moved our whole world, the whole universe toward new creation. And he's gonna continue that work. He will not stop until all things are made new. That's the whole game plan. That's his work. That's everything that he wants, is to make the entire world new, and he wants you to be part of it. And so he brings you preachers and family members and people to tell you about the gospel because he wants you to be made new. This sermon is titled, Life Rages On, because this spring, there is nothing you can do to stop spring from coming. It's coming. I know this weekend, it's like the little false winter, right? Kind of takes our hopes away for a weekend before it gets spring. But spring is coming. And you have nothing in your power that can make the earth stop spinning, that can make the earth stop tilting closer toward the sun, our hemisphere tilting closer toward the sun, 
There's nothing you can do to stop our world from hurling through space and orbiting the sun. You are completely powerless before life coming back to this area. This week, uh, we, we started our garden, and so we got our little cups out. We put our little seeds in there. The boys did it. They had a lot of fun. We began to water it, and just this last week, we did it exactly one week ago, and just this last week, the sprouts started coming because as we heard from Jurassic, Jeff Goldblum's character in Jurassic Park, life finds a way. It always finds a way. Life is raging on, and in the same way, God rages on to make new creation. There is nothing in your power to stop him from recreating the earth. You have nothing in your power that will stop God from making all things new. He is bound and determined to do so, day in and day out. And that's why there are so many warnings in Scripture about getting on board with God. Because God will not let you stop him from making all things new. He is making them new. And he invites us to be part of it. Every day, he's making things new in our hearts, and in our lives, in these little pockets of the kingdom of God, in our churches and in our homes. He's making these things new. And in fact, this church was founded. New life was founded on this conviction, on this hope and on this belief that God can take broken things, can take old things and make them new. This church was founded on the conviction and the hope and the belief that God will stop at nothing to make all things new. This church was founded on that conviction and hope and belief that God is doing revival and renewal today. That's why we're called New Life, because it's all about what God is doing in making new creation now in us, in our hearts, in our lives. In fact, this verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this is the theme verse of our church. So if anyone is in Christ, there is new life. There is new creation. This is our theme verse. It's a big deal for us because we believe that this is true. We believe that God is making all things new. And so a couple years ago, uh, the leadership team along with Pastor Ben, they began, they sat down and began to talk through um, how, we are, how we're going to talk about this work that God is doing in us. How are we going to align ourselves with what God is doing, with the new creation that he is doing? And we came up with what in the organizational world is called a mission and vision statement. Are you familiar with these terms, mission and vision statement? A mission is what you do, what you do, the purpose that you have. The vision is where you're going, Okay. So you have your mission and your vision. That's kind of the organizational terms. The phrase, the mission and vision statement that our leadership team came up with was this. This is the mission. Transformed hearts, transformed lives. The vision is transformed community and transformed world. The mission, the work that we are doing the way that we are lining up with what God is doing in our world and making all things new and putting away the old and bringing in the new, the way that we're lining up with that is by transforming hearts and transforming lives. And ultimately, this is gonna lead us down a direction of transformation and new creation in our families, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our church, in our city, in our communities, and ultimately, that's going to get spread out. 
where the gospel will go out until all nations, all tribes, all tongues recognize that Jesus is Lord. That's what God is doing, and so that's what we do. We line up with him. And transformation is just maybe another way of saying new creation. New creation. That we have transformed hearts, the way we think and feel, and the way we make decisions, that these are changed by God, that we can fundamentally be transformed by him, and the hope that we have and the trust in him, what Jesus has done for us, and that he is Lord. And that changes our lives, that we have what's called the fruit of the Spirit, Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. That when God transforms the way we think, the way that we feel, and the way that we make decisions, that our lives actually are changed. They're transformed. That we're peaceful kind of people. That we're loving kind of people. That we're joyful kind of people. And then the expectation is that that'll impact our community and the world which is actually what we see as we move down to verse 18 and 19. This is what it says. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we go back up here to the top. Again, here we see this idea. All this is from God. We have no power to transform our own hearts, our own lives. We have no power to transform our community or the world. God does. It's all from God. New creation is from him. Reckon, look, at this, uh, look at this, the way that this is phrased. Who reconciled us. That's past tense. That means he's already done it. He's already reconciled us. He's already given us new creation. It's already been done. Complete. Finished. In the past. We actually that later there in verse 19 and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now in the most basic sense, a minister or a ministry is a person or an entity that gives things out. So think about it like a nurse giving a shot, giving a vaccine or whatever it might be, right? That nurse is administering medicine. That's, how, that's the phrasing that we use. To minister means to hand something out or to give something to somebody else. In other countries, they talk about their their politicians are called ministers because they oversee to make sure that the government is working the way that it is and all the right things are going to the right people. They're administering something. They're overseeing it and handing it out. Every single one of us is called to be a minister of reconciliation. Another way to put that, every single one of us is called to be a minister of new creation. We are called to administer the medicine of new creation to others. We have peace, and so we pass peace out. We have joy, and so we pass joy out. We have love, so we pass love out. And this is how we impact our family, that God has transformed us, and so then we act in a transformed way, and we begin to pass out the love and the joy and the peace and the patience that we have in Christ. And our families are impacted by that. Our workplaces are impacted by that because everywhere we go, we're administering this medicine of the gospel, this medicine of new creation as we go about our business. God has done something for us, and so we pass it out. We give it away because God has given it to us. 
We are ministers of the reconciliation. We are ministers of the new creation. We are ministers of transformation that God has entrusted to us. As we move on, we get here to verse 20. So, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. An ambassador is a representative of some kind of official. This is another way of saying that we're ministers of the reconciliation, that we are representatives of Jesus Christ. We are representatives of the new creation that he has given us. And every single one of us is called to do this. You don't get out of this just because you're not a pastor, all right? You don't get out of this just because you feel a little shy. You don't get out of this just because you don't think you can. Guess what? Jesus knows you can't, that's why he gave you the Holy Spirit, okay? You don't get out of it. If you don't be an ambassador to Jesus Christ, it's not you coming up with excuses, it's just disobedience. We are ambassadors. It's something that Jesus has made us into. It's something that God has done for us, not by our own power, but by his grace. He gives us the ability, the strength to be ambassadors. To be an ambassador of Jesus Christ is to live the new creation, the transformation, and then invite other people into it. Because when you've been transformed, when you've been changed, it's really easy to tell people about it and to invite people into it. A little bit over two years ago, uh, my wife and I went through probably the most difficult part of our marriage so far. We've been, we're going to be we're celebrating eight years in May. So this would have been a couple years ago, maybe two and a half years ago, um, after the birth of our second child, we went through this very dark time. Um, we had our second baby. We had this little one-and-a-half-year-old at our house, and we could not manage our lives. We were not able to take care of our kids. We were not able emotionally to handle the stress of taking care of our kids with our families being 500 miles away in Kansas. We did not have the kind of family support system that we really would have liked to have. Um, on top of that, you know, there was the postpartum depression that came in with that, and as well as my own mental health issues of depression, suicidal ideation, these kinds of things. We were in a crisis two and a half years ago. We were deep into it, and we didn't even realize how bad things were. The only thing, the only thing that rescued us from this crisis was the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only thing that rescued us, that saved us from that time, was coming to the realization and accepting the fact that we could not, by our own power, manage our lives, and that we needed Jesus. The only thing that saved us is being able to recognize how broken and helpless we really were and receiving the gifts that God has given us in Jesus. We did not have peace. We did not have joy. We did not have patience. We did not have self-control. We were unable and unable to manage ourselves. And so we came to the realization, we can't do this. We need Jesus. We came to the realization that we were not good enough, but Jesus was. So we began to seek him. We began to seek his face and seek the peace that we know he promised us. And you know what happened? He pulled us through. It took a while. It took, it took almost a year 
for us to get through it. But it was only by God's grace that we were rescued out of this. That we were given peace when we had no peace. We were given joy when we had no joy. We were given hope when we had no hope. Jesus pulled through for us because we recognized we couldn't do it. We repented and we turned to him. We asked him for help. We sought his face. And now, and our life groups can tell you this, now my wife and I, guess what? We're ambassadors. We are ambassadors to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we tell our life groups all the time about our experiences and about this very phrase, you're not good enough, but Jesus is. That that was freeing for us, that we needed to hear that. We needed to hear that gospel. We tell them about our exploration of parenting and how, we've, how God radically transformed the way that we work with our kids and deal with our kids and the way that we parent. We are ambassadors. Even my wife, who's very shy, who you would never think would be an ambassador of Christ, now she is an ambassador of the gospel. To our life groups, to her friends, she doesn't stop talking about the gospel. She doesn't stop talking about what it means to be redeemed and transformed in your parenting, in your motherhood, and in your marriage. When you are transformed, you talk about it. You tell people about it because you have been changed. If you have received the peace that surpasses all understanding, guess what? You're quick to share it because you didn't have it and now you do. You're ambassadors. Every single one of us is called to live this transformation and to invite others into it. Uh, in 2014, this is eight years ago now, 2014, Sterling School District did a survey of students here in the public school system, and they found that 64% of students did not participate in any religious activity. 64% of students did not participate in any religious activity. That was eight years ago. I wonder what that number is now. Uh, more modern statistics from 2019 say that 60% of people who live in Sterling reported that they were non-religious, unaffiliated with any religion. That doesn't, even just, that doesn't even count like the cultural Christians who are just here at Christmas and Easter, right? We're talking, these are people who declare, who say that they are unaffiliated. 60%, two-thirds, almost two-thirds of our community has no participation in religious activities and says that they are unaffiliated with any religion. Almost two-thirds of our community. You know what? I bet that's higher in Rock Falls. Maybe higher in Dixon, too. Two-thirds of our community have no hope, have no peace, and have no joy in Jesus Christ. Two-thirds of our community have not heard the gospel. And you know what? There are people in your life, I bet you know some of those two-thirds. I bet that you know some of them. You probably know a lot more than I do because this is my circle, right? This is who I know. You probably know a lot more of them than I do. And those people in your life, your life is the only gospel they're ever gonna hear. Your life is the only Bible they're ever gonna read. Your life is the only shot they got to hear about new creation, to hear about what God is doing. You are ambassadors, representatives of Jesus Christ. 
We move on. Verse 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Again, it all comes back to Jesus and what he has done for us. So here's the good news this morning. You are not good ambassadors of Jesus Christ, but Jesus is. You are not good enough to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ, but Jesus is. And it is for your sake that he has died and he has been resurrected and he has given you the Holy Spirit so that you don't have to be a good enough ambassador. The Holy Spirit gives you what you need. The Holy Spirit equips you with the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you transformation so that you can be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. God has given us a great gift. He has given us a great gift of reconciliation with him. He has made us righteous. He has made us peaceful. He has made us joyful. We get to share the good news. The perfectly imperfect good news that we are all not good enough. But that Jesus has called us his own that he has raised us up from the dead. And just like we were helpless to be born again, we are helpless to be good enough, but Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to walk in the power and in the fruit of the Spirit so that we see it. We see the life all around us. We see new life all around us. We see that God is raging on toward this new creation and we get to be part of it. We get to invite others to be part of it in a perfectly imperfect way as we struggle and stumble and move forward, confess our sins, receive forgiveness, we're invited into this. This is the invitation. Be part of new creation. Be reconciled to God and invite your friends, your family, and your neighbors into that new creation. Let's pray.